This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. me out every time it says that okay welcome to drinking with authors podcast Woo! Woo! Okay. Um, i'm your host erica lance with me today i don't know why you're pre-wooing why are you pre-wooing val what was going on <laughs> I, i'm just excited i've been deprived of podcasts and this is the second one in like two weeks i'm excited amen i'm Hashtag regretting inviting you to co-host today, but my co-host today is Valerie Willis, and our amazing guest today is Megan Mackey. Woo! Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking. So I've become slightly obsessed with this, which is Angry Orchard Peach Mango, which is hard fruit cider. It's it's very addicting at this point in time. Um, Val, what are you drinking? A Long Island iced tea. Did I say it right? I always mess. <laughs> I don't drink very often, so I try very hard not to mess so up. She decided to drink a Long Island iced tea. <laughs> what I think she's calling Long Island iced tea is I think she put whiskey and iced tea and then <laughs> called it a Long Island iced tea. Oh, I'm that's letting it go because funny. she would be on the floor if she actually legitimately had a Long Island iced tea. <laughs> but okay. that's okay. Thank what you are you talking about? So I'm I'm drinking a bourbon sour. Ooh, I love that cup. Look at that cup. No, it matches her book over there. Yeah. Oh, branding. Okay. Um, But yeah, for my my birthday, a bunch of my friends brought got me like three different kinds of bourbons, and I've been slowly like drinking through them. So (laughs) I like the slowly drinking through them. Mm-hmm. I always keep saying that people keep giving me liquor and I'm like, no, it's terrible. Stop. Okay. It's gone. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. For those fans out there, that don't, you guys got to watch the YouTube of this because when you see what's behind Megan or around or anyway, okay, it's cool. I'm not going to give away a secret. Watch the YouTube. Tell us a little bit about what you write. So this series right here is an urban fantasy cyberpunk. Mm. Yes, I'm combining this is a world where magic has always existed. Um, you know, ma- magical creatures are out in the open. No, everyone's known about them and they have normal everyday jobs. So like I have a centaur who's an actuary. There's a mermaid who's a dog groomer, a fairy who's a bartender. Um, I just don't understand the mermaid dog groomer thing. I think hair would get everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> so, but what's happened now is that um, technology has started to catch up and surpass what magic could do. So they're in this sort of economic competition with each other um, where, where cyberness and, and being able to mass produce wonders without having to have a magical practitioner between you and the service. So um, in this story, we are in an alternate Chicago and we are following Rune LeVu here. She has a magical talent for finding things. She means a cybernetically altered corporate spy who wants her to help him find a wanted criminal called Anna Masterson. The problem is that she is Anna Masterson. (laughs) Seems like a little bit of a hiccup. We'll call it a hiccup. Right, right. I, I spend a whole book series dealing with it. I like it. I love it. I love cyberpunk. I love playing cyberpunk. Not the new video game. I haven't been thrilled with that, but I love the role-playing game of cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah. And and I have to say Shadowrun definitely is an influence because I absolutely played it in high school and stuff. So, um, but in, in my world, Chicago still exists in actual Shadowrun. It is a, you know, destroyed wasteland of nothing. Oh, I like that you brought it back. I do enjoy that it's brought back. That is very cool. What do you have other series? Do you have I I have other series in the pipeline. Okay. Because um, I, I would have had um the newest book series that I'm working on right now is called The Silver Blooded Song. Um, it is about uh an alternate world where gods still walk the earth and it's more around the Babylonian times, sort of influences ancient Vikings, ancient Germanic tribes. And God still walk the earth and have an impact on the earth. 
Um, but because of the last year and a half that we've all been living through, um, it's way backed up with my editor is it's, so it's, it's stuck in the production pipeline, but it should be out next year. Very, so, very cool. Yes. I'm excited. When did you begin your writing journey? So my writing journey, I mean, sure. as a kid, I always wrote like little snippets of things that never quite got anywhere. And I always had this dream of being an author because I was an avid reader. Um, but then I tried to become an actor, um, didn't get there. Um, then while I was pregnant, I was like, well, I can't really be in any shows right now anyway. So I started playwriting. And I started doing more of that. And I learned how to do character development and plot and apply everything I would do as an actor into actually just writing. So I wrote several plays. I've only had one properly full full play properly produced. I've had many smaller short plays produced, but um, it was called The Princess Peach Conspiracy. Yes. From Mario Brothers? From Mario Brothers, The Princess Peach Conspiracy. The idea that all of the Super Mario Brothers games are actually a conspiracy by Princess Peach to keep the war economy going in the kingdom of Toadstool. And she's actually working with Bowser. And Oh my god, I love that mainly because I call my daughter Princess Peach. I called her that because we used to play Mario Kart when she was she said, well, we, she didn't really play. She sort of jammed the buttons while I played with my right. son. And yeah. yeah. That's what my daughter does too. She loves Mario Brothers and everything associated with it. Um, and she just hits the buttons and stuff happens. Um, awesome. So what I ended up doing with that play is turning it into a podcast and that podcast still exists out there. So you can actually go and hear what I've done on uh, with that whole thing. Um, what is the name of the podcast? The Princess Peach Conspiracy. Okay. I love yeah. it sort of like a radio play done, I think in two seasons. And then we tried to do a third season and the bottom dropped out of that. Um, I may return to the project someday, but for right now there's two seasons of it. And then um, from there, I got pretty decent at building a character development and an arc and everything. And I was like, well, now I just need to fill in the in-between detail parts and I've got a novel. So then I did NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. And I basically wrote that book. And I just, I I kept, I worked on it a little bit. It took me about two years to fully develop it. And then when I got it, as far as I personally could get it, I published it. And then I desperately ran away, ran off to a different editor than the one I had used and got a lot of things fixed. And, but uh, from there, I started going out and selling it, going to cons, building a thing, building a following. Um, Eventually I got um, discovered by a publishing company. They picked it up and they did a new re-edit launched it again and I just kept building. Now I'm, I go around the country with Bard's Tower, which is an author, celebrity author, um, it, you know, meeting people experience that goes from con to con to con. And I'm one of their mid-listers and I'm just, you know, building the series and getting out there. That is super exciting. I love this journey. Yes. Um, I know Val and the other um, horsemen, because we were at Pensacon, got to meet you. Yes. And I broken my leg, so I didn't get to meet anybody because I had a broken leg. Yes. Hiding, not at all. Um, how you brought up this year. How is this? And well, I shouldn't even say this year, because what are we in? Almost year two now. We're pretty close to the yeah. end of year two. Yeah, it's um, like over 18 months for sure. Yeah, yeah. And at least we're in the state of Florida, so uh, that's <laughs> Um, <laughs> the sound was awesome. <laughs> this point, it's, 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 there's no words. It's just a sound now. It's now just it's evolved. Um, how has the the COVID been for you overall as a writer? It has been a very strange mixed bag. Um, because of COVID, I had I had to walk away from my day job because I have two special needs kids. And when, and I, I was working up until remote learning started and then the everything fell apart. I couldn't do both. I couldn't be their teacher all day and then go and help other people feel better for the rest of the day. And I just collapsed within one week. So I had to walk away from my job. Um, and it, it didn't make that any easier because with special needs kids and remote learning on computers, like if, if they make us do it again, I'm just pulling them from school till this is over because we can't do that again. They didn't handle it. I did the best I could, but I was their mom, not their teacher. 
Um, but what it ended up doing was affording me more time to write. So when, you know, they eventually did go back into school because they're in a separate building than the main student body. So they were back to school a lot sooner than everybody else. And while they were at school, I started writing. And during um, 2020, I wrote five books. Wow. I went from writing a book a year to writing five books. That is awesome. Yeah. And, and that was the first time I saw the, f- the way forward in my author career of actually being able to do this full time, actually being able to do this as a proper career. And so um, let me throw this out here because, yeah. you know, um, I, I'm a research hound. So I'm always looking at statistics, uh, yeah. I post workshops all the time. And I always tell them, I said, you have no idea being a series series writer or a prolific writer can push you forward hard. And that magic number is uh, three books or five books to really feel that first, like, oh my God, I just stepped up a ladder wrong kind of sensation. Yeah. Would, yeah. would you agree with that? I would I'm agree with that because it was when I had, f- I have five books on the table and actually four books would also, you know, four books on the table. Cause I published uh, this one here, death in the crone, as well as another book, um, Saint, uh, Saint code, which is over there. Um, I had those on the table. I, I would say there was a big jump from book when having the second book on the table, I was selling twice as many. And then it just go- compounds when you have four books on the table and you have five books on the table. I mean, in this last year too, within the tower before everything shut down, I was selling on par with the headliners. So like when we went to the last dragon con uh, out of uh, a booth full of celebrities, I came fourth in number of sales. Awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I am like, I am amongst great elites in that number and was very, very proud of it. And of course I didn't get to go dragon con last year. Nobody did this year. I'm going in about two weeks where we'll see how things shake out. <laughs> yeah. look, at her, look at her face just i told you to stop giggling about this like we know you're going to dragon con we're proud of you stop. i'm gonna be on panels with jonathan me too. me too i'm on panels i'm so excited um but that's the big thing when i i hit four or five books like now i have a banner in the tower i'm ha- i'm getting more exposure people are are easier to sell to because they look at the breadth of what I've got and go, okay, you're established. You have a banner. I'm going to give you, it's easier to give you my time than it was before. Where it was like, who are you? You're nobody. You don't have any, any of these other accolades. Why are your, why is your book good or any different than any other artist, Ellie um, aspiring author, which I was for the good two years before I got into the tower. So yeah. And I think one of the things about that that people should understand is it's there is a is there going to be something on the other side? It's great if you have one good book, but most people are not one book kind of people, especially in the genres you're talking about. They want a series. They want to become invested. So when they only see one book on a table, they can be like, mm-hmm. not sure I can be invested in that, because what happens if you don't? do book two, especially if you do it on your own, because a lot of people, once they realize the financial situation of doing that, it's not as easy to do it on your own. Yeah. That right? learning curve is a cliff. Oh, yes. Very steep one with much <laughs> gravel on the cliff. way down. Some you can get there, but it is a sharp learning curve to produce your own book. Okay. So why did you, I, I love that you were acting. So when you said you were going to become an actress, I did this. And when I was younger, and then I had children and then, you know, they don't want you on set with little baby. Weird, weird that that's the case, unless you're a much higher ranked person or on the play, you know, screaming baby yeah. in the background. Um, what made you trans, uh, you know, you're going through this transition. How do you feel like this, that worked towards what, when you were um, writing your characters and stuff like that? I can get a whole thought out. I've had three hours sleep. I'm fine. But writing your characters do you find yourself, I do this, like I kind of almost start talking to myself as the characters in the book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I play so every I, character. Yeah, every character I start becoming, I have speeches that I do. Val doesn't know this about me, but I'm like in the bathroom, in the shower, having a whole conversation with myself as characters. It's mm-hmm. really bad. I write horror, so you don't want to have the conversations with me necessarily. <laughs> How often do you answer yourself? 
Yeah, no, I do. I do. I have <laughs> conversations. Sometimes yeah. I how did, how did that help you? Um, it, it helped a great deal because I was, I'm very good. Like the one thing I can really say I'm very solid about is having a full arc for each character, even the small characters. I try to give them something, you know, where they have a, a completed arc of some sort. Um, and you do your best. Sometimes you do have to cut things because of space and time. Um, but for me, like I'd never fully given up on the acting part. Like I said, I did the podcast where I performed in the podcast. Um, I was Princess Peach. Um, but I also do the audiobooks for my own books. And I have a friend right now who is a very well-known uh, voiceover actor who's talking me into diving back in and um, going like, just because I'm, I'm not stereotypically Hollywood pretty doesn't mean that there isn't a place for me, especially now that, um, you know, Rebel Wilson has opened a lot of doors. Amy Schumer has opened a lot of doors. They're more looking at different kinds of people. So he's really working hard on talking me into jumping back in and trying again. Um, but in, in terms of my writing with acting and stuff, a lot of times I feel like I see the story as a movie and I'm just writing up an incident report. I know exactly what you feel like. Yeah. But then I, I sometimes... I'll write something and then I have a dream and it's the characters and we're sitting at a table and I'm like, let's discuss wh where you fucked up. <laughs> like, oh no. So yeah, that's, that's also what happens with Val, but, but I have like, I'm talking to yourself there, Val. <laughs> you, in your dreams, your characters sit you down to have like, yeah. <laughs> we're not really happy with what you did. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a one act play. Yeah, it totally <laughs> sounds like a one-act play. Oh my it's, goodness. It's, it's, it's usually the villains that get upset with me. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so, like, I'm not mean enough. I'm just going to say it. She's a nice person. She probably doesn't do disastrous enough things. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, Constantly enough. like, yeah, no, she would torture them. And then <laughs> she's like, what? <laughs> that, can oh. that can definitely be the hardest thing is giving your villains enough justification for what they're doing without suddenly making them the hero of the story when you really need them to be the villain no you know it's it's interesting though the the villains are the hero of their own story so it yeah. is definitely a balance because they generally very few villains think they're doing wrong and stuff like that those are the ones that usually get tripped up it's can yeah. you make them complex enough that they what they're doing is completely right and justified and the means to the end and all of that other crazy stuff that goes you know, on. And, and as an actor, you have to do that because when you're playing a character, you have to be on your character's side or you can't really play them. Um, and so having that skill of, of doing that in my writing, um, it, it was just crucial to having realistic villains. Yeah. You know, you're the first I think you're the first actor we've talked to besides obviously me talking to myself, that um, does writing. And what I think is really interesting is that when you're an actor, a lot of people don't know this. Even if you're in a brief scene, three seconds long, like you're walking in, picking up a newspaper off a table and walking out, you, mm -hmm. or at least I think most really good actors, you know exactly where you came from, you know mm -hmm. what the purpose is, even if they haven't told you that. They don't necessarily tell you why you're picking up a stupid right. newspaper and walking up, but you have to create that in your head and how you walk and how you grab it and how you do that and how you exit the, the room and where you're going because you have to be going somewhere after you grab this newspaper. Yeah. And I think that, at least for me, has helped me tremendously in creating that part of the story because you're. I feel like as an actor, I'm always thinking that way like where 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 is the person going even if i'm like they're leaving the house of course they're leaving the house because they're going to this thing even if i don't say they're going to blah blah like i know mm -hmm. in my head where they're going do you find that to be easier when you're creating the scenes yeah absolutely um and it's so crucial for the small characters to make them feel real is to give them some small thing that they're doing it may not be crucial but like i have a character that is very beloved in my heart called franklin he's the centaur who's an actuary and he's kind of like fraser from cheers where he would go in and he'd be getting drunk at the bar and stuff and there's this whole like there's one um scene in the third book where his entire story is him coming in and plopping at the bar even though the bar is closed and everyone's like uh franklin we're actually closed right now and he's like i just got fired 
And, and everyone stops and he's like, frankly, would you like a drink? Yes, please. And that's pretty much Franklin's whole story <laughs> until the very, very end where he, he gets swept in. Actuary. My boyfriend's best friend is an actuary. <laughs> so I know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> and no offense to actuaries out there. Don't do revolts against this podcast, but damn, Talk about an arduous, boring profession. Like, right. that is, I love that you character because they invited us. Um, he invited us to a party with all of his work friends. And I'm like, we're going to an actuary party. A <laughs> um, <laughs> word for leaving the actuary party. And actually, they were really woo crazy partiers, but it was interesting. So I was like, this is either going to be awesome or the most boring experience humanly possible. Right. Do you well, know like, actuaries or things like that? Or are you just basing it on research? If I'm honest, I got the actuary idea when Zootopia came out and that tiny little jaguar in the beginning play said, I'm going to be an actuary. And I was like, that's funny. That's a funny line. <laughs> Franklin's now an actuary. And then I had to look up what that was. And I was like, oh, okay. Franklin's totally an actuary. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. So um, you're, you're doing your writing. You're doing your podcast. You wrote five books last year. Just like, I can't even. Yeah. And they're not even that's, out yet. Cause that's how far they're in the queue of the, uh, with the editor It's like everybody was writing last year. So. Well, you say that, but we've talked to quite a few people that didn't do so much writing last uh, Like because they couldn't get out of the house and people watch their their ability to make characters and strong scenes just bottomed out. So it really shows that some of us, yeah, you know, need that interaction with our environment to really spark something. So, and if you didn't find a way of doing that through your research, a lot of people ended up losing that motivation quite a bit yeah no. i have an abundance of <laughs> imagination i wrote like three hundred thirty thousand words last year oh congrats yes yes and then um on top of yeah. that um that was when eric and i launched our publication house at the same time so i was uh yeah. doing a lot of the typesetting and the cover design and then kids and the pandemic. So like, I think we all have felt it for sure. Sorry, I'm, I'm messing with my shoe. <laughs> I was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> she was getting up. I had to explain lower and lower in the chair. I'm like, what look, look, at least I have made sure there is no snacks or food near me because I like to eat while I'm talking, talking and I choke on the podcast. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> You know what? We're going to take a break right now and let Val get her crap back together again, and we'll be right back with Drinking with Authors. This is the voice of Drinking with Authors. You are at our commercial break, and our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And we're back and Val is still fighting with her shoe. I'm not going to even ask <laughs> why the shoe is important to her sitting down to record a podcast. It's weird when one shoe's looser than the other. It's like, what is going on? What's going on down there? <laughs> definitely some more of your quote-unquote Long Island iced tea. That's going so well for you. <laughs> it always it is. <laughs> okay. Megan, let's talk about starting to do cons and stuff like that. What was it like the first time you encountered a fan? Like a fan that came up to you and was like... Came to see me. Yeah. Um. I... I know there had to be a couple before this, but there's one that sticks out really hard in my mind. Um, I was at a Bard's Tower Con in Detroit. I'd been to Detroit on my own twice before. 
Um, and Claudia Gray was there and um, she writes uh, for Star Wars. She wrote the Princess Leia book that everyone's loving and she's got a few sci-fi uh, series herself, um, which I'm completely breaking, blinking the name on, but I loved it because I read it. Um, but so she's she's a big deal. She's a headliner. And this woman came up frantic to her. It's like, are you Megan Mackey? And was really excited. And she was like, no, I'm not. Hold on. Walks her around the four square thing and comes up beside me and i'm like oh hi claudia what's going on and she's like this is megan mackey and the woman's just rushing around the corner to get to me and she's so excited and i had no idea what to do or say she just started gushing about how much she loved the book and how excited she was and is she uh, do you have the next one can i get that from you can you sign it and she did most of the work for me and i just had to keep smiling and, and laughing and 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 just getting kind of excited off of her excitement and it was just like i can't believe that just happened um, it was a whirlwind that I barely remember. Honestly, I just remember her smile and her enthusiasm and the fact that Claudia Gray came over to, to like direct her to me, you know, who's a much bigger deal than I am. And, and it's just sort of like, wow. Okay. So it's happening. I think that's amazing. I think <laughs> interacting with fans is so much fun. If you had a fan quote, some part of the book that you don't remember. Um, no. No, I mean, I had to edit through that the first book so many times because I had varying degrees of issues when I was independent. So I had to read it so many times. I was pretty fresh on my own story. Um, I have had people misinterpret things that I've not known what to do or say to because it'd be like, well, that's what you read. That's not what happened. But it's what you read, and I'm not going to pick a fight about it here in the middle of the con. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, my phone is ringing. Walk away. (laughs) Right. It was kind of like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not what happened, but okay. That's an interpretation, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. No. Uh, Erica's had people come up and quote her book to her, and she's like, did I write that? Like, I don't know. And she starts searching the book after they leave. I've noticed that they give me like these obscure, weird, like thing I put in to just launch the story. Not like a major character or something. I jokingly call it the barista that you use for like the person in the coffee shop. You know what I mean? That random person X and they're like, that was my favorite character. And I'm like, who? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I've not, I heard from uh, one of our very good friends met Ari Salvador and he apparently remembers everything about his books when you talk to him from what she said. Like he okay. interacts really, and I don't happen to be that person. Like I will go reread or re-listen to my books before I write the next one in the series so I can get I refresh it. Yeah. Yeah. I need to. Um, and, but some of the stuff just honestly, because it was like, okay, I need to get from here to here. Let me do this little joiner scene of something happening. Like guy walks past girl and spills drink. And they're like, oh my God, the guy who spilled the drink. Like that was my favorite scene. And I'm like, I'm so glad. I'm glad you loved him. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck sticks is she talking The thing I'm most hoping will happen is if I get famous enough for someone to start a wiki for me. For my series, so I can go and look up things that I've forgotten. <laughs> you that's about you can, pop, you can pop the link. Yeah, start the wiki yourself, and they will build it, and they will come. It's well, like, I've been told. I, I looked into it, and I can't start it myself. Is what they said. No, you can absolutely start it yourself. Okay, you start, you start with your author wiki page, and list the stuff, and then people start building, filling it in. Okay. Yeah. Make it, they will come. This is Field of Dreams. Okay. Kevin Costner is going to show up at any moment. No, stop. <laughs> stop telling people that. That's not. Did you see the Field of Dreams a few days ago? What? It was the anniversary of the Field of Dreams movie, oh, and yeah. the Field of Dreams in Iowa, and Kevin Costner showed up and did a whole thing, and they had the Sox and the um, Yankees come, and they got them period cl- uh, uniforms, and they actually played a game, and it was a whole thing only a few days ago. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah, go YouTube it, man. It's it was my mom had to show it to me and I saw the whole ceremony and everything. And he comes and throws the first pitch and he talks about it. And yeah, they built oh, the wow. field of dreams in the middle of Iowa. 
Well, I love all of that. Yeah, I, and I, I actually love that movie. I think that was one of the cooler movies. I love Kevin Costner as an actor. As a director, I'm not sure how I feel about him. I feel like he makes really, really, really long movies that I, they're so long. Like, give him a series on Netflix or something, not a movie. Like, right, they really should be a 12 hour movie about a postman. Nobody's interested in that. Thank <laughs> you. Um, so, have you had any of your fans dress up for you yet? Not yet, but I am hoping, especially for um, Saint Code, which is a um, female cyber um, cyber spy. Uh, she's an antagonist in the first book, but she was too badass to leave there. But she's also a person of color, and I have the really amazing cover. Now I got to show it. An amazing. Her cover. Reaches I love it. It's like magic. Oh. She reaches into the darkness. Oh, I like that. Oh, yes. So, like every cosplay black teenager I see, I'm like, I got your next cosplay, and I'm I'm hoping one of them will show up dressed like this with the trench coat and the LED lights. Put it out there. Okay, so I'm just gonna say, steps up, shows up dressed as that. One of these days, it'll happen. Signed book of your choice. Pretty much. There you go. Gauntlet <laughs> thrown. Dress up as it. This is what you get. Done and done. Be amazing. Wow. <laughs> what I have had happen is there have been incidental people dressed up like that with a fedora and a and a vest being a different character. But I make them like pose like that with the book in one hand and take a picture and kind of like, oh, they cosplays. Work it, Megan. Work yeah, it. yeah. I, I make it work. Plug. How uh, how important uh, would you say platform building and building yourself as a brand as an author is to to getting yourself out there? Oh, I don't know. I find it very difficult. It is very difficult. I, I, I do. I'm not savvy with it. I basically stick to Facebook and Instagram, and only on Instagram because what I'm doing at cons is taking pictures of there's always a devil character of some sort walking around i take a picture of them holding my book and i'll get like a whole series of different ones and every so often i'll pop another one up on instagram going here's a i found a lucky devil i found a lucky devil and and you know do little comments on them and stuff and that's kind of the extent of what i do outside of on facebook saying hey i'm going to be at this con or hey that somebody said something nice about me or here's a picture of my cats something but i don't you know and i do get engagement but i don't get so much engagement on the facebook page itself it's always people who already know me on my facebook friends thing so i don't i don't know how effective i'm really am at it and i know there are people who are savvier than i am about it um i'm gonna try something after con season has stopped i'm gonna try something on tiktok um and see if i can get a, a thing going there um but but so far, I, I have found it tough. Um, you know, I go on to Facebook groups and we'll talk about or mention my book, especially if people are asking for recommendations. And sometimes I can get a conversation going for like a few passes, which is kind of fun. You, have you made a Facebook group for your readers? I have, and it didn't go anywhere. And I didn't figure out how to make it go anywhere. I don't know what my disconnect is because I have great engagement in person at cons with fans. I can't get that same engagement online. And I'm partly starting to wonder if that Venn diagram don't cross so much. It does. And I'll tell you the, a couple tricks to it. And then if you want to talk offline, cause I'm not going to go into too much. nitty gritty. Yeah, that would be great. Um, yeah. But one of the things that is a huge thing is one having cross authors and you luckily with Bard's tower, have a bunch of cross authors mm -hmm. Could sort of, for lack of a better word, kind of pollinate, take over, get into discussions on their stuff, right? But yeah. here, here are two tricks for social media. One of them is take something, whatever, anything linked to something in your books, doesn't matter what the topic is. I don't care if it's a cheers topic that you can say talks about your actuary, Franklin, and stuff yeah. like that. But find something that is going viral share it and comment on it having something to do with your book okay. i don't care what the topic is not by my book it's like oh wow cheers reunion gosh norm reminds me a lot of franklin when he comes in and says blah 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 tag your book 
because it's a viral thing and it will go on and people will be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And it starts to break outside your network and out of network. And that's what you're trying to do is make sure your posts are starting to populate on people you're not even connected to by two or three degrees. Yeah, so that works. And then the other trick on Twitter and Instagram is go on somebody who is a like author to you, has a similar base. I'll use my example. I did this on Twitter. I am not the best social media person because we've been working on the publishing company. So we're a lot of do what we say, not what we actually do, because that's gone backseat. But when I first started is I went on to Stephen King's um, Twitter and I followed a bunch of people. People that were on him because I read horror and they started following me back. And the same was true with Instagram. And so I was able to like go and steal followers basically. I see. Okay. Yeah. And then when they post about something or other horror writers, I don't go, well, you should buy my book. I make a comment about it and it puts you in relevance. So the key to it is for do five conversations on Twitter Two of them about something life-related, your cats, your podcast, you know what I mean? Something fun, Mm -hmm. you know, went to go writing and somebody put a top hat in my latte. It can be literally completely irrelevant to anything, but just talking about you, yeah, right? And then two of them talking about other people's things, whatever they're posting. So cool you did that. That's awesome. Can't wait to see you at DragonCon. Ergo, mm-hmm. you're saying, I'm going to be a dragon con. Yeah. And then the last one is about some sort of selling your book. My upcoming project just finished, blah, blah. And then newsletter. Newsletter, newsletter. Yeah, I do have a newsletter, though. It's currently stuck in a weird newsletter limbo. I think I'm going to go over to MailChimp because the service I'm currently using is sort of holding it hostage. Yeah, MailChimp is really awesome. I don't even know who that service is, but if you... If you want to, I, again, I write about serial killers. I'll leave my phone here. Just tell me where to be and I will resolve that. Send me a postcard though. Don't make it email. <laughs> okay. No digital trails, no digital trails. Um, <laughs> tips, little tips out there, people. Don't leave a digital trail. Everybody takes their fucking cell phone everywhere. Idiots. Um, so I, I think that's all. when you're writing, because you how old are your kiddos? Like, are they smaller children, middle children, larger um, children? Middle children, seven and 10. Oh, wow. That's yeah. exciting. That's similar to Val's age. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they take a lot of work right now. Um, they don't stop taking work. I just, my daughter, who's 22, just got married. Let me just say how much fun that was. Oh. It was a beautiful wedding. There's a lot of a lot of mom work involved with that. <laughs> I'm shocked that we haven't been interrupted by like a little boy in his underwear yet. I know that happened earlier today already once. Yeah, so. I still I, hear some pound 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 upstairs. So <laughs> about how do you get to write? Then is it? Do you have to have quiet time? Can you write regardless of chaos? Where Where are you at writing wise? I seem to have a very special ability to write wherever I am. Um, prior to my leaving my day job, I was a a clinical massage therapist. So in between clients, I'd be sitting at my computer and pounding out as fast as I could, everything I thought about during the massage and I'd be putting down words and then I'd have to drop it and go to the next massage for the next hour. And so it sort of developed an ability, like I could write on the bus, I could write at a restaurant. I wrote at cons when it was like before, or before we get started or stuff, I'd sit there and I'd start writing. So with my kids running around, me as long as they weren't destroying something I'd be sitting there writing some stuff down and then I have to take them to the next digital class and um I just got into the habit of writing every day so it's very rare that I miss a day where I don't write something um those days are usually at cons because there does come a point where if you do 12 hours of on your feet you're you're kind of done you're not you're not gonna have a brain cell to process words um but it, it's just, I, I seem to have this ability that most people don't have of being able to write anywhere I'm at. No, that is awesome. Cause there's a lot of people we talk to that are like, no, it has to be dead quiet and the temperature has to be 77.2 degrees. And like, there can be no airflow. And I'm like, uh, how the hell do you get anything written? If that's price has like multiples of the same pajamas and a coffee maker at her desk. <laughs> 
uh, me, like uh, the other night, my husband's like, come on, I want you to go to dart night with me. I'm like, I just sit there. So I sit there with a the laptop in the bar while they're playing darts. And I'm like typesetting books or writing, writing right. things. And people are like, are you working? I'm like, I'm making money, bitches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm doing my thing. I do miss yeah. coffee shops. I will say that. I, I miss coffee shops at this point. I'm currently writing in the middle of Mariano's, which is a grocery store. Um, because I take my kids, I like, I write a little bit in the morning and then I got to take my kids to their therapy. And for three hours, they're at the therapy center and there's really nowhere else to go. So I go to the grocery store that has a little cafe and a bar and a coffee thingy in the middle of it. And I just go into the store, get a snack and get like a big freaking thing of tea for two bucks. And I come back and I sit there and I have Wi-Fi and I just, I write for like, get it done, Megan. I love it. See, do you see the stories you would have to share on Twitter? Just <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, today, like start tagging the grocery store. Today, this is on sale. <laughs> it's, that's actually true. That's not a bad idea. I was going to say, too, for the TikTok, one of the things, and you can do this on Instagram, too, is get somebody to read a short part of your book as if they're talking as the character telling that part of the story. Not the whole thing, but just be like, I can't believe I lost my job today. And then I walk into my favorite bar and it's closed. I almost didn't get a drink. It's a good thing they love me there by the book. Like that's how they do a lot of the videos is they say it as if they're the, that character okay. and they throw something out. Like, you know, you just, and they talk as if they're telling a story. Like I broke up with my boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, dun, 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 buy my book, blah, blah, blah. And they throw it up there. So, and it's an actor. And I know, you know, many actors, you could probably just wrangle a bunch of people to do a whole bunch of different versions of the video. Come do this bit for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing I did with this when I uh, recorded the audio version is actually dual recorded it with another actor friend of mine. So I read everything on the magical side of the world. He reads everything on the tech side of the world. And there's, we converse back and forth and stuff. I think that sounds amazing. That awesome. and that's yeah. videos in the making. And you got the coolest hat in the entire world. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. The, the best impromptu purchase of my life. <laughs> What's the story behind the hat? Like if it was impromptu. Oh purchase where'd you find it so i bought this at the bristol ren fair up in uh kenosha wisconsin um it was i, I like I, we go every year i get fully dressed up in costume it was sitting there i didn't exactly have the money to buy it because i think it was like 300 dollars or something oh wow it was really close to that and i was like i technically didn't have the money but it was the last one of its kind there and i just bought it i just made it work um, and then I started wearing it to cons and now I have to wear it. To right. People don't yeah. recognize me without it. You know, famous people don't recognize me unless I'm wearing the hat that I'm just a normal little Midwestern girl without it. So it's sort of like now it's the icon for my branding. I it's, it's everywhere. My, I've even had my um, sister is an artist. So she made this like little fairy and it's this hat with little wings behind me and everything. And it's just like everything's got my hat now. That is awesome. That See, is awesome. look, your hat has a tail. You could be talking about the sea social media. <laughs> look, there's a post. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can the Ren Fair and you'll get all the Rennies that are, I love Ren Fairs. I don't dress up as much in them as I used to when I was younger, mainly because it's Florida and it's 50 million degrees. And there's no time going to the Ren Fair here is anything at all pleasant, especially if you wear armor. Like it's her reputation is so grand. We we were at Sci-Fi Bartow, and and the one t- did a double take, and she's like Erica, and she's like Stephanie. I think it was her name, and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and she's like, oh, we we ran in the same Ren Fair circuit. <laughs> There's a circuit for that. Yeah. First of all, I'd like less judgment on the circuit for that situation. <laughs> Just for the record, Valerie. And yes, there is I didn't a- get out much, okay? Do you cosplay as your own characters? Have you ever dressed up as your own characters? Not technically, but I did create a character 
a costume that I wore during a hall a con at a Halloween that now is a character in the book because it was kind of badass. Uh, Lady Wild, she is a fae, um, and she's one of the few changelings. So she is, she is, historically was Oscar Wilde's mother, and she believed in fairies so much so that she it is the legend is that she became a fairy after she died up in the um, Irish countryside, and um, so I created Lady Wild based off of that character and I had this hat I, I was wearing a bright red button-up shirt with a tight corset around the middle and a foxtail and and that is how Lady Wild is described in the book now so I, I sort of in the reverse I cosplayed first and then created the character I love that you're inventing you're like you know what this is going to be a character in the next yeah. book. That's what I'm the Irish accents is one of the few ones I can actually do on command. It was, you know, very easy to do it that way. And lucky for me, she was Irish. So I got away with it. Oh, I'm so <laughs> jealous right now. <laughs> Your accent is amazing and phenomenal. Oh yeah. my God, you are so much fun. There are so yeah. many levels to you. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> okay, what made you decide to go cyberpunk, Shadowrun, Magic, technology, what what made you go into that realm? Well, I don't exactly remember where it gelled together. I just know that when it did, I had the very distinct thought of it's not like that well is tapped. I know the Tolkien well is well and truly tapped, but it's not like we write a lot of cyberpunk magic stories. So even though there are a couple of things that do exist like Shadowrun, it was like, we are far from done with that concept of, of magic and technology. Cause I, you know, I, I was also thinking at the time, there's that phrase that like um, magic is just technology. We don't understand yet. And, and I, there is a sort of um, underlying theme underneath all that. It's just like, there's a lot of things that tech can do that magic in my world also does. And sometimes it's a choice of which option are we using versus which is better. Um. But I don't, I don't have a distinct memory of when I decided that's the thing. I just remember everything after that moment. And the next series that you're doing, is it similar? Is it still um, technology and magic or? No, no, no. It is a full on epic high fantasy. It is um, just me going farther back than the medieval period. Cause you know, most high fantasy is sort of medievally set and very Tolkien-y and stuff. And um, I was talking with my publisher, who's also the guy who runs the Bar Tower, and he was like, take it back further. Why don't you go all the way back to like ancient Babylonian times, the Bronze Age, the Copper Age, go, go, how far back could you go when the gods still walked the earth? And I was like, I am an amateur mythologist. <laughs> oh, you and Valerie would talk for hours and yeah. hours. <laughs> I, yeah, I have I have the world time on this podcast for what I was what we I don't have time yeah I'm I'm excited because the alt history uh panel invited me to the fact or fiction reading so I get to read an excerpt and then everyone has to decide if it's fact or fiction so nice like, very nice uh, yeah. so that, I love that yeah my new series is more about that um but there's like extreme like it, it, it's a world where like this great war happened and a lot of the gods are dead um, but this girl or woman who is getting sacrificed to this demon Lord as a sacrifice, the demons, like the guy who's sacrificing her, isn't the one making the sacrifice. You're making the sacrifice. It's your life. I'm making the deal with you. And so she's now imbued with power. And is we, like, we find out in the course of the story that that demon creature was once a God, like all the demons are devils become were once gods kind of thing that concept as religions move on and such. So it's sort of like trying to find redemption while you're moving, you know, in a world that has fallen apart and is needing to come back to life. That's very, so you went full token, Tolkien. You went Tolkien. <laughs> no, I did. I, I went anti-Tolkien. I went even further back. I went. It's a good thing Jen's not on here with the anti-Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we could say Silmarillion. I could say I went full Silmarillion. But I wouldn't say I went full proper, like the the Fellowship of the Ring or the Hobbit or anything. I would say I went even farther back into the mythos. Oh, I'm, I think that's amazing. I, I envy people who love doing the research like that. Um, I yeah. check my browsing history. It doesn't have gods on it. That's not what you come up with. Come up with what is the decay rate of a body in certain circumstances. That's what you find. <laughs> 
That's probably disastrous. I, I there was an incident in my neighborhood, and cops were at my door, and my boyfriend was like, "What did you do?" Mm-hmm. What did you Google? Interesting. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, but please take my Google history to the police station if I don't. <laughs> um, so when you're writing and um, how many words, what, like what's your daily average? You said you're writing every day. Do you have a word count or are you just like, I'm going to write? Um, my minimum word count is 444 words because I'm using a game writing program online called For the Words where you slay monsters by the words you write. And if you write so many words, um, you know, you slay the monster and get the points and, and, and advance and level up and things like that. So um, their bare minimum is 444 words a day to count it as a, a day of writing. Um, but more often than not, if I'm really all in on a first draft straight writing, I'm clocking in between five and 7,000 words a day. Oh my goodness. Yeah. If it's a rewrite, it'll be closer to like two to three because not all those words count. Um, uh, And it sort of depends. Like if I'm doing like I'm rewriting a whole new scene and something and like that, I'll clock more words, but like on average, unless I'm having other life issues or I'm at a con, I'm that's about it. So it's anywhere between three to 7,000 words. That's very, very impressive, just for the record. Mm-hmm. When but, how many rewrites do you do? Fewer than I used to. That's for sure. I used to do several rewrites, and now I um, maybe one to two. Um, I've gotten very, very good at coming up with a very solid plot structure, and if I'm doing any rewrites at all, it's either to clarify something or um to uh like fight scenes i still struggle with so sometimes i need to simplify the fight scene i've like overcomplicated it with language i don't often do full uh rewrite when i when i do a full scene rewrite it's usually from something i wrote earlier that never fully developed and i'm needing and now that i'm a better writer than i was then i need to like oh i can see how to fix this plot line crank crack snap snap pop pop scoot over new scene now this through structure makes sense like so that that's when the most rewriting happens is if i'm taking an older work before i first published and fixing it to work better now that i know better no it's true growing as an author is is such a true thing what were you gonna say val yeah, you know, that I'm going to say something with on your face. Oh, it, it, is it really that loud? That's, I was going to ask, um, and this is, might be, I think a lot of people, um, I love that you do tech and magic in the same world. Yeah. Um, what kind of tactic did you employ on trying to establish those mechanics of how the tech works and the magic works? Or, or is it more of like they ghost on top of each other with just a couple of things different? Because um, I know when it yeah. comes to building magic systems in general, in most fantasy, people get intimidated. And here you are doing double that workload. So what I did was I did not clearly define my roles in the first book. I got away with it. I then had to clearly define my roles for the second book without contradicting anything I created because I just let it flow in the first book and then had to make sure I validated it. So um, what I actually did was I approached it by tropes. I took cyberpunk tropes and urban fantasy tropes And when I created a situation, I looked at, I I compared the two of like, okay, how would a cyberpunk storyline solve this? How would an urban fantasy storyline solve this? And I would pick which one seemed sexier to solving the problem. And sometimes it would be a competition between the both. And if I had, I was, you know, compelled between the two, I would then put them both in and they'd be, it would be one of the points of conflict between the two characters. Um. And so then I would back up the rules of their powers based off of that. And then as I moved forward into Saint of Liars and into Devil's Day, I I had to set more clarifying rules because now it was now it was established, now it was happening. And I got away with it in the first book because 
this the my main character Rune Levu is somebody who's gone through a lot of trauma around her magical powers and has spent most of her life rejecting them. She's been properly taught, but she, you know, how you don't want to learn something. So you ignore it and ignore it and ignore it. So she would do things with her power and not understand or really comprehend or consciously comprehend what she had done with them. So when she changes her mind by the end of the book and decides, no, I'm actually going to go for this. Then it was about Saint of Liars was about her learning her own rules learning the world's rules and start. And so I would clarify things that were maybe muddy in the first book by her. Like I learned about this as part of that. And that's why this effect happened. And so as she discovers, we discover what the rules are. Um, well, that was tricky, tricky, tricky. tricky. Yeah. No, and sometimes people, um, I, I've told people this, like if you're getting hung up on trying to figure out what rules you want to implement, then rough out the story, get the story out, see yeah. how it falls and then build off of that. And you're, you're a great example of that. Yeah. I, I don't need to build the system until you get the story uh, out yeah. first. Cause there's people who get lost in their, in their documents, they're in their world building documents and they never write the story. And it's sort of like that the world building should support your story, not the su story supporting your world building. Do you and, have a world book that you've created for it now? No, that's what I need to do. <laughs> that's what she's hoping the wiki and the fans. That's what I'd like the wiki to be. I never wrote a book Bible. I never did it. You should do it if you're going to do a series. If it makes you feel better, Megan, I just all started on mine and I'm like four or five books deep in Cedric. And I'm like, holy shit. I have like over 60 plus named characters and creatures even more yeah. so. And I'm like, oh. Okay, when she has a world book, ask her how many words long that world book is. Wow. <laughs> 40,000. Wow. And yeah. that's out. another book. That's my, I can't do it. I, I literally, I'm like, nope, I need to win. That's why I write the genres I do. I don't have to world build. <sighs> any of right. that <laughs> that's what like my uh friend jim butcher if i'm gonna name drop i'll name drop jim butcher talked about that with me um was like yeah he loves that there's a wiki about the dresden files because there's stuff in there he's forgotten because he wrote it 10 years ago and he'll go and look it up and I'm like oh okay that's right this person's called this and they did this and they are about this and this is their thing okay great See, you can make your wiki thing a whole entire thing you talk about on social media and get your fans and people who've read the books like you want them to feed in Put their out. Say, hey guys can can i would love to see a wiki page built on the series yeah you know if you guys have started one send me the link and, and watch them compete with each other megan <laughs> <laughs> for accuracy and yeah, oh accuracy we can't guarantee i would go fact check before you add something into your book based on that page because we all have seen interpretations oh my goodness oh my goodness we're like in an hour oh my gosh okay um before we end off what advice would you give authors out there um, if you're an aspiring author and this is your first book and you're struggling, put it in brackets. It's the one tool I've told everybody is that if you're trying to write something and you can't find the right word or you can't phrase it the right way, just bracket, write down the general idea of what you want and put another bracket on their side and just keep moving. Two things happen. You'll either figure out what you meant to say about a sentence later and you'll go back and insert it. Or you'll come back a day later, read what you wrote and realize that was the exact right thing to say. And you'll take the brackets away, but it's the biggest that. thing to help you finish. That is awesome. I appreciate that. Okay. okay. How do people find you besides creating the wiki page? I'm going to throw that out there again. <laughs> find me besides creating the wiki page, where's the best place to look up your books and interact with you what is your facebook and all that fun stuff so so my facebook page is megan mackie author um and i'm also my instagram is megan mackie author um i guess i gotta start a twitter <coughs> excuse me um twitter for shame anyway continue yes <laughs> and um my books right now are on amazon uh, right now the first book is fully back up but like i said i had some drama and trauma during 2020 and i've had to switch publishers so everything else is getting back up um but the first one finder the lucky devil is absolutely completely online that's the audiobook the kindle version and the physical paper book of real and um the others will be up very very soon 
That is exciting. And the other series that should be coming out next year is? Uh, the Silver-Blooded Scion. Silver-Blooded Scion. I, that's such yeah. a cool title. Thank you. That's an awesome title. Okay. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on our podcast. You were fast. I cannot wait to meet you at a con. Yes, that would be fantastic. That would be so much fun. And then we can drink in person. That would be great. Yes. Okay. Um, so, this, <laughs> you got a little bit. It kind of looks like a shot glass, not going to lie. It is a shot glass. It's a double yes. shot glass of Grogu. Oh my God, that is awesome. Grogu shot glasses. Okay. <laughs> Okay, this has been Drinking with Authors. I have been, I, I have been, that's fine. That's how many of these I've drunk. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today has been Valerie Willis. Our guest has been Megan Mackey, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>